0: full and bursting of your love and your spirit and your wisdom, and that his message tonight would really hit everyone's hearts uh, and be super powerful. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dom. Um, you've got a Bible. They're, they're on the sort of tables to the sides, the green ones, if you want to get those. So page seven. Sorry, 974, page 974. If you'd rather, uh, on your own phone or tablet or whatever you've got with you, we're in Luke chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Um, it's really good to see you. If you're, if you're new here, uh, just back up what Dom and, and Lydia have said. Do fill in a form if you, if you want to join in. This is a brilliant time to um, sort of sniff around our church here, because in these next few weeks, starting next week, we're going to sort of speak through the, these banners here. These are, we, we, they're like the four gets. They're the kind of pillars of the church. Uh, so if you, if you count yourself a member of St. D's, then in some way, shape, or form, we, we reckon that you'll connect with us and with what's going on around us. You'll, you'll get involved in some way you'll get giving um, financially and in other ways. It's, it's how we find our full expression as Christians when we, when we contribute in some way. And we'll get out there because we're not meant to be a little holy huddle. Uh, we just gather here like ships in a harbor to get the refit, to get patched up uh, so that we can sail. We're all created to sail out there. Uh, to meet other people and to take Jesus' love to them. So we're going to be, in the next four Sundays, we'll be sort of speaking through each of those to give some idea of our sort of vision, our values, uh, our sort of emphasis here, what kind of church we're like. So if you're new or visiting and thinking, I wonder whether St. Dee's is is my home, then uh, hang with us for these next few weeks uh, to get a real idea of of what we're about. And today what I want to do is just to read a... um, Uh, well, the the editors here, you can see, they call it Jesus Calls His First Disciples. It's it's Luke's account of of how Jesus began his ministry with his um, close followers. And uh, so it's it's, it's maybe a fairly familiar uh, story or account, but I'm gonna read it through in case you you haven't heard it before. And um, then what I want to do is try and unpack it, get under the skin of it, see what God is saying to us through this story and how we might apply what happened to them there, then, to us, here, now. Is is God in some way speaking to us through his word, by his spirit? One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people uh, were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But... Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Father, speak to us through this encounter, Simon Peter with Jesus. Speak to us as we seek to encounter you. Bring fresh revelation to us in this new season as we head on into the rest of this year and into the rest of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, what happens when Jesus gets into your boat? is isn't the title I've got written down here, but maybe we'll suppl- supplant it. Um. You kind of autumn time. This is when I kind of do my, my, my sort of New Year's resolutions. It isn't really January. I'm I'm kind of recovering from Christmas. Uh, it's, it's still dark and cold and wet and horrible. Uh, but I've like like I, I'm hoping a, a few of you have had a few uh, days uh, and weeks off, a bit of holiday, a bit of rest, seen a bit of sunshine, surfed a few waves, that kind of thing, feeling kind of refreshed and excited. Uh, and I come back. I'm really I just have, I've greeted a few people just now in the piece. People I haven't seen for a few weeks. I've missed you when I've not been around, it's great to be back, I'm feeling excited, this is when I kind of make my, my New Year's resolutions, as it were, right, yeah, a bit like Don would say, yeah, I'm going I'm to smash the rest of those goals, gonna do, yeah, I'm going to do this a bit differently, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to tidy my room, I'm going to all those other stuff, see how long that lasts. And a and minute all, we can kind of slide a little bit into, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get along to St. Dee's, I'm going to get along to church, I, I'm going to get involved in this, that and the other. And, and sure enough, in the, in the coming weeks, we will encourage you to, to plug in, to, to get connected, to get involved. Uh, and that's all good and right, but it, it's only an expression of who ultimately we're called to be as people, living this one life here on earth. There's that phrase, living your best life, or living our best life here on earth. It's not. It's not about being somewhere like uh, here on a Sunday or at a life group midweek. It's not about doing stuff like helping the Alpha course or helping to wash up the recovery course or the children's team or whatever. All of those are good things, and this is a good place. But essentially, it all boils down to ensuring that we encounter on a regular basis the person of Jesus Christ we encounter Jesus. We don't sort of encounter the things of him or learn about him, we, we kind of encounter him. We get to know him, we hear him, Jesus, speaking to us, calling our name in such a way that we respond in obedience. And that, I think, is what happens here. On face value, this story is um, Jesus, he's uh, teaching the crowd, it's the crowd so packed in. Uh, in fact, they demonstrated this when I went on a trip to the Holy Land. Uh, and um, we went to, the, to um, the shore of the lake. And uh, they had prepared, a, one of the guides with us had a little boat. And so what he did was he got in this boat and he just pushed out about sort of 10, 20 feet from shore. And he was speaking to us in just a normal voice. And because of the, whatever it is, the physics of it, the way sound carries over water, we sort of spread out along the shore and every single one of us could hear him crystal clear. So he demonstrated this uh, trip to to, uh, the Holy Land, Jerusalem and around, um, Galilee, etc. It really brought alive the the biblical accounts of Jesus' life. And here's one of them. Uh, The crowds are pressing in so much that Jesus gets into Simon's boat, Simon Peter, and he pushes out a little bit so that the whole crowd can hear him. But it's evident from um, verse 4, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon that Simon's in the boat with him. We, we, we maybe think, and I think this is relevant a little bit later on, that it's a little sort of, like, you know, those little sort of inflatables you sort of buy for nine ninety nine, the sort of, uh, you know, the tacky little things just to sort of play around uh, in, the, in, the, in the shallows. And we think it's sort of a little, little boat. I, I think we can infer from the fact that uh, Simon had, uh, there were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. Uh, they had another boat that they called upon. This is a business. And they're fishermen. I, I don't think it's a little sort of little inflatable rowing boat. I think we could, we could surmise this as like a sort of small trawler. It's, it's a significant business here. So um, Simon's with Jesus in the, in the boat. And uh, Jesus is talking to the crowds. Here's my first sort of point that I want to kind of press home to us. Um, Jesus is always talking to others. He, he's addressing crowds, Jesus and his church. And we can be coming to church and, and maybe sliding into thinking, yeah, Jesus is here and I'm in church, but Jesus is really talking to others. Uh, when, when when the spirit is moving or when the worship seems so intense or when uh, the preacher's preaching or whatever it might be, it's always for, you know, in the church, and I'm part of the church, but it's someone else. It's for them. And in this account here, Jesus finishes addressing the crowd, them, and he turns to Simon, and he addresses him by name. Simon. Here's my question. When was the last time, if ever, and it's no shame if if the answer's never, (laughs) when was the last time you heard Jesus call you by name? Here's what I think of you. Tim, here's what I'd like you to do. You, you've heard lots of great talks. You've read some great books. You've heard great advice, You're all on the, the social media. There's all these sort of amazing sort of, uh, quotes and phrases and things, they bombard us every single day. When was the last time you heard Jesus call you by name? Not the crowds, not everyone else, you. because he's longing to. He he does it all the time. And here he is with Simon. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Here's the second thing. That's a relatively easy request he makes of Simon Peter. Simon Peter is a fisherman. He's basically asking a fisherman, let's go fish. It's not rocket science. I mean, if Simon Peter was a rocket scientist, then he would ask him rocket science. Uh, Or if he was a plumber or an accountant or a teacher, he'd say, let's do what you're gifted and able and experienced at doing. Simon Peter spends all his time fishing. Let's go fish. I'd wager, you know, God is not kind of an ogre. He's not trying to. You know, the caricature of the kind of schoolteacher trying to catch you out. No, it, Jesus will often, when he when he requests stuff of us, when he asks stuff of us, it'll often be simple. Simon Peter, fisherman, then push out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch of fish. Simple. Not necessarily easy but simple. I'll come on to why it wasn't easy in a moment. You kind of infer the struggle that's going on. But Jesus often asks us to do simple things. I mean, it's just um, turning up to a meeting. Or it's, we all do courses at work, don't we? I mean, we're all kind of familiar, those of us who are in work, paid work. um, We're familiar with every now and then, there's a course you go on. So is it so hard to conceive that I might go on an alpha course? It's, it's not Jesus prompting us that way, or to the recovery course, or to connect in here or to do. The, it, they're not difficult things that Jesus often asks us to do. There's a bit of an issue for Peter. Did you, did you pick up that detail? Um, where is it? Verse two. He saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And we know from what Peter says later on, they've been fishing all night. It's day now, and they're kind of just washing the nets and putting them all away. They've been working hard. They've done a night shift. So now it's daytime. Peter's thinking, I, I think I'm just going to wash the nets, pat them away, and have a bit of a kip. I'm tired. And here's Jesus saying, hey, tell you what, Peter, let's go out and fish in the daytime. You've been fishing all night, let's fish all day. Peter's thinking, I'm tired. <laughs> So it's a simple thing, but not necessarily easy. It's maybe a bit costly. But I think there's an even deeper issue. It's around authority. It's around control. It could be framed in this question. Who's boss here? Who's really in charge? And Peter, deep, deep down, he wants to say, I am. I'm in charge, and with good reason. And here I refer to intelligent people in commentaries who've helped me to understand more about the vagaries of fishing in the Middle East, because I didn't know this. That apparently in uh, the Lake of Galilee, or Gennesaret, as it's titled here, and and actually quite frequently, fish during the night will go, they'll swim into the deep. Uh, And they sort of rest there, or they sort of, I don't know, float around there, do whatever they do. And then at daytime, they swim into the shallows because when the sun comes out, the the rays of the sun refract through the shallow water and so the fish can see where all the plankton and and food is. And that's when they feed. So they come into the shallows during the day and they go out to the deep at night. So fishermen know that. And so if they want to catch the fish, they go out at night into the deep where the fish will be. That's why Peter says, we've been slaving all night. And here's the thing. On this particular occasion, I guess you get some days like that. We get it in work, in business. I mean, just there are some days like that. You go out when you you know this is the optimum time for profitability. It just hasn't come off. And that's been the story here. They've been out all night in the deep where the fish are, and they've caught nothing. So during the daytime, when Jesus says, let's put out into the deep, during the daytime, and let down the nets for a catch. Peter knows that's rubbish. He's a fisherman. This is his area of expertise. He knows what he's talking about. He, he doesn't know a whole load of other things. Elsewhere, they're, they're termed as unschooled fishermen. But when it comes to fish, he does know. What's more, what is Jesus known as in terms of trade? He was the carpenter's son. Carpenters don't tend to ply their trade in the water. They're on dry land. So Jesus is a dry land person and he knows what he's doing on dry land with wood and hammers and nails. He doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to water and fish. That's what Peter's thinking. So this landlubber is saying to Peter, put out into the deep in midday, where the fish aren't, and drop down your nets for a catch. Duh. Peter's wrestling. Peter's struggling. And the issue is, who's the boss? Who knows best? It's difficult to pick up tone of voice because this is written in, in Greek and now we've translated it into English. So I don't know how Simon's reply in verse five really sounded. We can kind of read it in a religious sense. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I think he's angry. I think he's irked. I think that's through clenched teeth, master. We have worked, I know this, I'm a fisherman, you're a carpenter, what do you know? I've worked all night and we've caught nothing. It's just one of those things, it's one of those days, okay? I'm tired. Just before I go on, is there any area of your life, any area of my life, as I sort of go into this new season, As I make all my new resolutions, is there any area of my life where I think I'm the expert, where I think I know, where I'm invested, where I've been harboring my dreams and plans? This is the thing I do well. This is where I'm in my comfort zone. This is where I I can find my sweet spot. This is my domain. This is where I'm boss. If I'm honest, I'm willing to let Jesus be Lord of all the areas where I don't feel too much of an expert. But in those areas where I'm tempted to think, yeah, I know, actually, I experience that struggle. Because from time to time, Jesus comes and he says, Tim, and he says the equivalent of, let's do something that you don't think makes sense. I can think of a number of examples in my ministry here where I I thought, well, I I know this place and I know the people, I know the area, so I don't think it'd be a good idea to dot, dot, dot. And God comes nudging. You know what, Tim, I think we should do this. I think we should step out here. I think you should consider this. Oh, no, (laughs) I can give you five or six reasons why that would be a really bad idea. And he just kind of stands there smiling, as I guess he was in the boat with Peter. And that struggle, that wrestle inside, It's what, what Christians kind of call the spiritual battle or the spiritual wrestle. As I kind of, am I going to seed ground? Am I going to confess that actually He knows best? Here's the most releasing word, arguably in the whole of Scripture, and it comes up on a number of occasions, and it comes up here, the second half of verse five. Simon answered. So I'll read the whole verse. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Word, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. This doesn't make sense to me, Peter says. This makes no sense to me at all. But in this moment of wrestle, when he he asks himself, Who's in control here? Who is boss? Is it me or is it Jesus? He concedes, Okay. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets." And you could argue that the whole of human history unfolds from that point. Because they let down the nets, and they catch a a fish, again, don't think little dingy motorboat, we're we're thinking a significant boat, so much that the nets begin to break, and when they call their partners to come and help, they catch so so much fish that both of those boats are about to sink. That is. Six months' worth of profit right in one fishing trip. How amazing is that? We read they were astonished. So here's the next interesting thing as we kind of dig into this story. It's Simon Peter's response. It's there in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. If I got this right, so Jesus had come into your boat, he said, uh, it's this wacky idea, let's go out and fish in the most unlikely way, uh, in the day when they're meant to be in the shallow and we go out deep with fish. and I catch you a massive catch of fish. I mean, I don't know uh, enough, I don't know how many fish would sink a couple of trawlers, but I'm guessing that's, that's a pretty big payday. I mean, if, if you had someone who came into your business and just turned it over just like that, wouldn't you say, stay. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Come on in. Position on the board. I mean, this is effectively, what Peter's got here is effectively a human echo sounder. Jesus has led them to exactly where the fish are, and they've landed the biggest catch they've ever had. Wouldn't you say, Jesus, welcome. If if there's a business head on Peter, he's thinking, wow, okay, if one trip with this guy catches us this much, we can invest in another trawler. He's He's doing business plans, everything, with Jesus there go away, go away, the miracle is not the catch of fish, the miracle here is what the catch of fish reveals to Peter about Jesus and what the catch of fish reveals to Peter about himself. And we see it in his response, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. In other words, Jesus see, uh, Peter sees, Simon Peter sees, that Jesus is not just a, a, a good teacher, he held the crowds as he was teaching from the boat. He's not just a miracle worker. There were a number of people who could do amazing things. You are Lord. You are God in human form. You are unique. And as I see God in all his holiness, in all his purity, in all his justice, and all his power, and as I see that you exercise that power and that justice and that ability, not just in all the realms that I'm not expert in, but in my own realm. Because I thought there'd be no fish, and you've proved there'll be loads. Did you notice Jesus said in verse uh, five, four, 4, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus knows he's going to catch fish. He doesn't say, let down your nets, and let's see. You never know, second time lucky. Let down your nets for a catch. Jesus knows we're gonna get fish. And Peter recognizes that this is God exercising his rule and his dominion over the whole of creation, including his poxy little fishing business. And as he recognizes that Jesus is Lord, what it does, sort of equal and opposite realization, revelation, Oh, I am undone. Who did I think I was that I could contest with the Lord of all creation who so graciously stands here in my boat? I, 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 am, a, I am a sinner. I, I am someone who has lived my life out of reference to God, outside of the reference of God. I, I've, not, I've not referenced my life on Him. I'm just completely undone. I'm, it's like permanent imposter syndrome. You found me out i'm not worthy to be in your presence i'm undone. Do you remember that moment of revelation? Those of us here and i, I don't want to I, I, I don't want to assume i don't know everyone here and i don't many of you I, I don't know well I don't know what all of your stories are. Some of you will will Remember stories when you, you realized who Jesus was, not a sort of fairy tale figure or figure of history or kind of some kind of religious weirdo on the fringes of reality and relevance. He's actually God in human form who invites you into relationship with him. And and that when you when you made that moment of realization, oh, when you saw who Jesus was It's like I was I mean it's a poor analogy, but I was at a at a wedding yesterday and um uh, at the reception, we were sort of at the back of the of the dining hall, and the speeches had the you know, father of the, of the bride and the groom, and the best man. And I was uh, listening to the speeches, trying to sort of enjoy them. And I didn't have my glasses. I'm, I'm whatever, long sighted. I I could see down here, but I can't see uh, further away. And uh, Joe had my glasses. I said, oh, Joe, you can just, can I just my glasses? And I put my glasses. Ah. I put my glasses on and I could, I could see the expression on their faces as they were telling their stories and their jokes, it was, I could engage so much more. I could see them before, I knew who they were. Oh yeah, that's the, I think that's the father of the bride. But now, oh yeah, that's Tim, that's the father of the bride. I could see. It's the same here, you you, you know about Jesus. There were times when you kinda knew about Jesus, but did you know him? Did you see who he was? And, and many of you here tonight, you, you'll, you'll remember when that was. When you went, wow, you are Lord and God of all creation, and I, I am just a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. It may be, I don't, I don't know. It may be there's someone here tonight, and that realization is just dawning on you for the first time right now. That God, in Jesus, is calling you by name. He's challenging you. He's kind of playing with you. I have a feeling that Jesus had in mind what he was going to do with Peter all along. He was kind of playing with this whole fish thing just to see how Peter would respond. And he may be doing that with you. He's effectively saying, will you let me be Lord of your life? Because to jump to the end, look what happens when you do. I'd love to give you an opportunity um, when I finish speaking at the end and, and as we worship again in song in just a few minutes to, to make that response to Jesus Christ that I, I want you in the boat of my life I, I, I want to submit to your lordship your boss, you know and it doesn't mean that I become some kind of subservient slave no, you well as we'll see in a minute you, you, you fulfill exactly who I am I've become more of who you've created me to be Get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. This is, and as I kind of come into close, this is what Jesus says by way of response to Peter. Look at this. We, we might have expected that Jesus would say, um, yeah, look what I did for you. So now you better follow me. If I tell you that what, Peter say, what Jesus says to Peter contains a command, we might, we might even have sort of read it lazily as the command to follow them, to follow Jesus. Yeah, look, I've done all this for you, so now you owe me. You're kind of in my debt. So, uh, you know, you better shape up, you follow me. Jesus does issue a command, but it isn't that. It's uh, the second half of verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, and here's the command, don't be afraid. Jesus can see that Peter has twigged who he is. Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy. And Jesus, this is, a love, this is a beautiful thing that he says. It's a command. But he commands that you don't live in fear. Simon Peter, don't live in fear. In other words, I, I don't want you to go around thinking, oh gosh, I've got to keep Jesus happy. Oh gosh, he's done all that for me. Oh God, I, I ought to this, I ought to that, I ought to the other. As someone wag once said, our spiritual health is severely impa- impaired by a hardening of the arteries. I'll give you a moment. When we think we ought or we should, when basically we live out of fear. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Don't, don't live your life in response to me out of fear. He gives a command, do not be afraid, and it's followed by a promise. From now on, you will fish for people. Here's what I think our fear might be, often. W- when we think about following Jesus, when we think about you know, our New Year's resolutions, when we think about this autumn term and beyond, when we think about living for Jesus and renewing our efforts, and the fear is, that maybe creeps in, is oh, if I'm gonna be serious about my faith and serious about my re- relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna have to give stuff up. So the Christian life is about you know don't do this and don't do that. Actually, our, our autumn s- term series after September, we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments. And one of the things I want to do as we work through the Ten Commandments is try and demolish this, this stronghold of a myth that they're all thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And that Christianity is all about thou shalt not. I mean, I, I don't want to get into that sermon series now, but they're words of life. And when we, re- when we see the text and read the text, this God is giving us life. We've twisted it into you can't do this, you can't do that. Jesus doesn't say that here. He says to Jesus, not, well, yeah, you better just, you know, you can't do this or you can't, you're going to have to give up everything else. You're going to have to give up fishing. He doesn't. He says, no, I want you to carry on fishing. Just change the focus. Think about it. What did Peter do? What was he good at? What did he love doing? What was he an expert in? He was an expert in going out, finding things, gathering them in, cleaning them up, sorting them out, and then passing them on. He let down the nets and he catched all these things. And he "Well, that's a big one. There's a prize. Yeah, oh, don't, don't, don't just put that one there. Clean it up and pass them on. And Jesus is saying, what I want you to do is to go out and meet people, bring them in, sort them out, where they're, clean them up, sort them, disciple them, and then pass them on, send them out. You used to fish for fish. Now I want you to fish for men. Don't stop doing what you love doing. Don't stop doing what you're good at doing. In fact, do it even more. The, the, I think the church, in general, I'm generalizing, but we become impoverished because we think, oh, gosh, as Christians, we can't do this and we can't do that. And Jesus is saying, no, I, I made you, Simon Peter, with, a, with a, an ability to fish. Do it for the kingdom. We, we work against a sort of a mindset. If you look at a lot of the the kind of, all the stuff out there, the sort of self-help, you know, live your best life thing, it's all kind of premised on what can you get out of life? How can you make the most of life? It's, the kind of assumption is that life is to be consumed. But the call of Jesus on each and every one of our lives is to contribute. It's not to get stuff out, but it's to take stuff on. It's to put stuff in. He didn't call Peter to stop fishing, he just redirected the focus and said, fish even more. And that's what Jesus is saying to you, I believe, to me, to all of us, as he calls you by name, as he gets into the boat of your life, your area of expertise, and as you say, okay, even though I think I know about this little sphere of life, I'm gonna give it to you And I'm going to hear what you have to say. And even if it sounds nonsensical, as I weigh it and test it, and as I step out in faith, I'm going to trust that you, in the boat of my life, will make my life even more fruitful. And that the way you've wired me and made me and created me, and some of us are kind of good on detail and spreadsheets and so on. So, so, you know, like we love just getting in there. We don't want to be disturbed. Just leave me alone with my project or my piece of work. Others of us are people, persons, and we love just... So whatever, whatever it is that you love doing, whoever you are, do it. Jesus is calling us to do that for him, not, not for ourselves and our own glory and to puff up our own image, but for him. It's releasing, it's life-giving. From now on you will fish for, don't be afraid. Don't operate out of fear, oh I ought to do this. To. That's why I fear, if I'm honest, oh, there's a four letter word that I hate. It's inevitable, we have to use it in church from time to time, and in the next few weeks we'll encourage you even to join them. It begins with R and ends in Ota. The, the, you know, the rota of for this or the rota for that. And, but you know what, if I'm honest there's a part of me, every time we talk about the, a rota, would you join this road or that rotor? My heart sinks because I just think, oh no. Am I in charge of an organization that just encourages me going, oh gosh, I've got it. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, I've got to. Oh, I ought to. Because that is so far removed from what it is to follow Jesus. Jesus followers are people who, who see what happens when Jesus gets in their boat. They go from catching nothing to catching a shoal of fish that sinks two trawlers. And they go, why would I not want to follow you? Why would I not want to serve you? Why would I not want to give the whole of my life to you? Because I hear you say, don't be afraid, and do what I've called you to do. Do what I've made you to do. Become who I've made you to be. And our response is just to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll follow you. I'll, If necessary, I'll give up everything to follow you. Let's pause just for a moment. I want to give an opportunity, as I said just a few minutes ago, for anyone here. And you recognize, when I was talking about that wrestle and that struggle, it's, you know, and you kind of know because your heart starts to beat and maybe you Arms go sweaty, or you kind of just know that that there have been times when Jesus has come quite close, quite near, and He's seen you and He's called you by name. You say, "How do I? How did Jesus know me? Because He made you. He was there at the beginning of creation. He knows you, and He loves you, and He called you by name and He issued you a challenge: Will you follow Me? And you've ducked it in the past, or you kind of shed it, or I don't know you, and you just you've never actually said to Jesus, Lord." I'm a sinner, but you have forgiven me as you died on the cross. You've washed away my sin, and you're calling me to live my life in obedience to you. You're calling me to follow you. And tonight, you want to accept that invitation. You hear him calling you. And it's not not a call to make you weird or to stop you doing stuff. It's a call to make you more who you truly are. You don't give up your job or break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, or you don't start wearing sandals and... Grow your hair. I don't know. Whatever it is, you, don't, you just, well, unless you want to, you just listen to Jesus and follow Him, and you join in with others who are doing the same. If that's you, I want to give an opportunity for you to to say yes right now. I, I, it just if it helps, I, I'm going to pray a prayer. So I wonder whether we could just assume a, a position of prayer, maybe just to bow our heads, to close our eyes.